welcome to Let's Talk It All. I'm Jeff. And I'm Anvil. And tonight we're talking about what? Talk about it all. Talking it about it all. About it all we are. About it all we are. are. No specific subject tonight. I don't think we've covered specific topics the last few months. So tonight just kind of open we're, mic night. Basically we're... studio. Yeah, we're winging it. Winging it. <laughs> Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Prayer. Makes me think Winging of chicken prayer. wings, which I really want back, but I'm going to have some spaghetti Ooh, later. I haven't even eaten dinner yet. I could have gotten Larry Moe from the Union. Yeah. Chicken wings. Chicken wings. Oh, chicken gosh. Wings. I love the chicken wings. Those hot ones make me sit on the toilet for two days, but they're there awesome. There we go. That's one we need to know in the show. <laughs> so we're talking about it all, obviously. Blowout. <laughs> oh, by the way, I just want to thank uh, Diversity Broadcasting Network for having us on. On that note. Uh, on our... Family of Richmond channels. Nothing personal, uh, Renee. Nothing yeah. personal. Um, and all the other great shows that are on that wonderful network as well. All through the week, people, there is something to listen to. Uh, we have the the Purple Tie. Purple Tie, right before show. us. Yep. And, we uh, also have uh, Let's Talk Ghost for the time being, which is also a great show to listen to. Uh, Steve over there has done a fantastic job over the years of putting that show together. Absolutely. You know, he's uh, he's kind of like the art of this area for us. Yes. You know, it's too bad. I guess he's going to be going away. Taking yep. a break, I guess. Taking a break. Taking a break. Yep. And so. if he's the Art Bell, then we're... we're uh, what's that Nori guy? George Nori, the guy who took over for Art Bell. Which is awesome, by the way. George Nori. All right. Awesome. We're in the, we're in I'm George, George he's Nori. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Um, so, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, I guess I'll just kind of go into my week a little. Uh, for you know, people who don't know, you will see pictures someday. Uh, Anvil is the one who really does all the website stuff and Facebook stuff. And he's really good at it. Um, me, not so much. Uh, I'm constantly running around with a chicken with his head cut off. Um, I definitely need to make more time for this. But there will be po- pictures posted at some point in the future. Um, but uh, I work on cars, and I have a 1972 Z28 that I've been building for since I was a kid when I was 19. Um, and I bought a lot of parts lately, and I've been doing a lot of upgrades to the motor, like wound heads and you know stuff like that, and stainless steel exhaust system, and just nice looking stuff to make it a little sparkly. So I've been doing that. Um, and what about you? What what have you, have you been doing? Oh. Not much. A lot of work, 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 more work. Um, Alani's been having some shows uh, up in the Buffalo area, so I think we have driven to the Buffalo area almost every weekend this past four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, she had a couple shows, and then we uh, took a little time off, and we were up in there, so we stayed in the area up in the Thousand Islands, and but been doing a lot of visiting to the Buffalo area, which is about three and a half hour drive one way. To, to get up there. So, and we got a few more to do. We got one coming up uh, later this, actually this weekend, um, the 30th. And uh, we'll be up in Buffalo area again to uh, at the Dom Pulaski benefit. And it's the at the Polish club uh, right outside Buffalo. I'm, I'm somewhat Polish. I am. I really know. Seriously, my mom's side is all Polish. And yeah. you can probably tell. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, and the great thing about long drives in the great state of New York is um, wherever you go in the state of New York, we have awesome police forces. We, we do. And they stop speeders all the time. <laughs> Jeff's just, just picking on me because uh, I had a little had a little run-in on one of our last trips up to Buffalo. I was, uh, it was a beautiful day out, sunny. I was enjoying myself. I had the wife's car. It's got a sunroof, windows down, music blaring. Guess I wasn't paying attention exactly how fast I was going, and uh, local local law enforcement uh, p- pulled me over. Uh, wasn't hard. I, actually, I pulled over. I saw his. Light. He was way back behind me. I saw his lights. And you probably could have blown him away. You uh, just, well, you could have hit the pedal, not blown away with a gun. People, I'm talking about with the, yeah, with the, the car. Yeah, with the um, car. In my wife's car, with the distance I had, you could get away. Uh, probably could. If I knew you, the area, if I knew the area a little bit better. Uh, we definitely could have Burt Reynolds, Smokey yeah. and the Bandit, that, and I, we, we might have had a chance. Next time you did it, my might have a chance. Um, yeah. I just got an Avalon, and uh, for, a, for a six-cylinder, it's got a lot of pick-up and go, let me tell you. But anyways, that's a whole other story. So, kid pulls me. I pull over. The kid pulls up behind me. His light's still going. I was kind of passionate by it, but it was me. <laughs> and uh, nice kid, and uh, he's, you know, local, small town. The town I was up in is a small town. 
uh, a little bit bigger than Mayberry, but not quite as big as New York City. Well, gosh, and, Andy! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, gave me the ticket and, you know, kind of gave me some pointers on how best to uh, handle the ticket so as to uh, donate to the town's slush fund without putting points on my license. That's a good and I appreciate that. That's he was serving and protecting. So he yep. protected his he community from me speeding through it, and he was serving me by trying giving to you some me. good advice. Yeah, he was. So, and I, you know, I was speeding. I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. I probably was. I don't pay attention half the time when I'm driving. I just go. And it's been, it's probably been at least a decade since I got a speeding ticket. So it happens. So I'm good with that. Uh, wife, not so much, because I've had a bad run-in with law the last uh, the last month or so. I've had some bad. Bad run-ins, uh, seatbelt, got busted for a seatbelt. Your hands behind your back, sir! No! <laughs> <laughs> got some got seatbelt, and uh, apparently there are certain places you can't park in Buffalo, and if you do, they give you a summons, which, it, it just comes in threes. I, I would say these three incidents happen within weeks of each other. I go I go for years without nothing, and then awesome, bam, bim, bang, boom. The universe looks at it says, it's your so, you know, it happens. I'll pay the fines, do my time, whatever it is. But that, so that's been a lot of my week, is uh, contributing to the monetary uh, stability of local towns and states by paying my fines. Huh. Well, you know, I uh, I can relate. Uh, it was a year ago in May uh, that me, Steve, and Will from Let's Talk Ghost went on a uh, Sasquatch investigation. And folks, true story, uh, Steve had his own truck, me and Will were in mine, and uh, Steve went way ahead of us, and I told him my truck was only, at the time, six cylinders, running out of five cylinders, not anymore, it runs with six now, but at that time it was really effed up. So I told him don't go so fast, well he did, he, he, he was like a half a mile ahead of us, and we were trying to catch up, and we are in this area, in the middle of nowhere, we come around a bend, and there's a, a sign, there's a school, and went from 55 to 45 within like five seconds. Kind of like my situation, it went from 55 down to 45. Yeah, and there was a cop sitting right next to the sign. So obviously, I'm not going to be able to hit the 40. Yeah, that's what happened. So I got pulled over for, by a county mounty, and uh, now here I am, the, the window doesn't go down, the, the door doesn't open on the driver's side, right? And the truck is packed full of stuff, including guns, by the way. And uh, you think this guy would search the vehicle or ask me to get out? Nope. Just wanted to hand me the ticket. So as he's taking my information, he said, hey, you know, since we agreed I was speeding in a school zone, there's any way you can knock it down a little because it's like 15 miles per hour over. And he goes, nope, school zone. Got to stick to the law. And I'm like, oh, good Lord, this guy. All right. So Mr. Nice Police Officer wrote me a, a nice ticket for the full amount. <laughs> Well, I came up with this bright idea uh, when I went in front of the judge, and I said, and I worded it like this. He goes, you're under oath. You have to be careful what you say. I said, judge, what if I were to tell you a story? And he's looking at me, kind of giving me the cockeyed look. I said, this is what happened, maybe. I said, me and Will were driving in my truck, and Steve was in front of us. And Will confessed to me he was having an affair with Steve on me. And, um, and we got in this huge argument. I wasn't paying attention, and this is why we got the speeding ticket. And uh, I, I said, this is basically what happened. And so the judge is looking at me, and he's like, really? I'm like, are you, t are you, are you taking this at all? And uh, he looks at me and goes, the Steve guy, is he married? I go, uh, now I'm under oath, by the way. I'm like, yes. And he gives me another cocked eyebrow. And he goes, so I, if I called his wife right now, she'd be aware of the situation. <laughs> they said, um, not exactly. As Judge was saying, it was a story. What really happened was I wasn't paying attention, and I went through a speeding zone. I got a ticket. So anyway, long story short, folks, no, I am not. Uh, I'm straight. Uh, I have a fiancé. Uh, Steve is straight as well. Um, Will um, is, I guess, I don't know. Uh, I never asked. But uh, long story short, um, I got a ticket, and I had to pay. Um, they were kind. They did reduce it um, to a non-school zone violation or something, so it was only, like, the minimal points. So if I don't get any tickets for, like, 18 months, I'm A-OK. -okay. So that, that's why I got a ticket. <laughs>
that's my ticket story. True yeah, story. ticket story. I got, I got other ticket stories, but we won't go into those. That's a whole other show. That's a whole other show. <clears throat> a whole other show over the years. But uh, so that's been my week, weeks, kind of calmly when I got the ticket. Just crazy. Uh, busy at the casino. I'm a, I'm a card dealer. I'm a dice dealer. I'm a dealer, casino dealer. In my full-time job, when I'm not here investigating the odd, unusual, and paranormal, I am in a casino dealing cards, throwing dice, and... But in a prior life, you dealt pain because you were a bouncer. I was a bouncer, and that's a whole other show. And uh, that was years ago when bouncing was a semi-safe profession. And uh, I worked several bars in the area and kind of enjoyed the work. But anymore, people are just, people are crazy. People are crazy out there. Uh, when guns and knives started showing up at the bars, that was time for me to get out of the bars. And that's what I did. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not like it was when I was a kid. I don't go... Oh, gosh, I can't remember. I think the last time I was downtown at a night, I was 32 years old, maybe 33. You know, that was that was a long time. That was 11 years ago. It's just, uh, no, no thanks. Too old for that kind of jazz. Yeah, it's, it's the craziness that goes on now. But other than that, um, what else have we been talking about? Uh, oh, well, there's a lot of stuff. You know, actually, uh, we had a minor UFO sighting. Me and Heather did, uh, what was it? God, what was it? Sunday night? I'm a little upset myself uh, because I did not pull over and get a better look. But we were coming out of Walmart in the little town of Johnson City. We were turned up to go home, and uh, I kind of looked over, and I it was a clear night, and I saw something on fire in the sky. It was literally on fire. It wasn't a light. It was fire. And I, I said to Heather, I'm like, what the heck is that? And she's like, she was, it's on fire, whatever it is. I go, I know. I, I, I don't know what it was. The only thing I think it was like a Chinese lantern, you know, one of those Chinese. Oh. That's the only thing I can think it could have been. And I, I'm mad at myself. I did not pull over and get a better look. But that uh, really did happen. It was kind of freaky. Um, and then I had a dream about it that night, which is even more freaky, uh, which is normally not something that really happens. Um, I usually don't remember my dreams. You know, I'm too old for that. You know. <laughs> kind of like that, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, we did an invest. We had, we had, I had, my, my wife and I had an uh, investigation uh, this past weekend. And um, interesting little place in the small hamlet of Oweagle, New York. And uh, part of the history was interesting. They talked about... Uh, the building was used at one time as a speakeasy. Which is a, what is a speakeasy? Because people like me, the youngins, you know, we don't use words like speakeasy and we don't use words like cockamamie anymore. So what, yeah. what is speakeasy? So speakeasy, for those that don't <clears throat> know that term, I'm not going to make you Google it. Back during Prohibition, which I'm going to make you Google that because it's the whole history behind that, but Prohibition is when the U.S. had a amendment in the Constitution that outlawed alcohol. And the United States was technically a dry country. And that created Al Capone, that created rum running, that created uh, bathtub gin. Again, you can Google all these. I'm not going to explain all this to you. And what developed were these these bars, these underground bars that were uh, behind hidden walls, uh, in basements, and uh, things like that in the, the back offices of a post office or a post office warehouse. Um, and they were called speakeasies because you go there and have a good time. You have to, you know, knock on the door. A guy slides the door, a little panel on the door across, ask for the password or whatever the case is. And you could go in and drink and have a good time and just breaking the law, like speeding down the highway. <laughs> this, is, this is the history of our country. We are the current um, rebels. We're speeders. So in the little hamlet of Wigo, there was a good old-fashioned speakeasy up and running throughout Prohibition. And uh, not that we got any evidence of that per se, but it was part of the history. I was talking to one of the gentlemen that talked about the building. Um, and I can believe in the building because we were down in the basement of this building. 
and it was like a maze inside a maze inside a maze. If you could, you could, I can see very well where there were hidden, where there were once hidden rooms that they had opened up to uh, to regular rooms. So this was kind of interesting. Um, so we were doing that, and that was that's always a fun investigation thing to do. And you, again, you learn some of the history of the area. Uh, again, to look at the town, to look at the area. You don't think about things in the area, uh, this area, which uh, Binghamton, Wego, Endicott, Appalachian, uh, those places. Uh, we have a rich history, and hard to believe. Uh, between the speakeasy that was in this one place, uh, there's an old farm in Appalachian, where in the early 50s, the East Coast crime families had a gathering that got raided. And uh, that made huge history in the area. In fact, if you listen to a lot of the police dramas and, and things like that, every now and then you'll catch a reference to, to uh, they won't say Appalachian, they'll say Bington. Um, they usually don't give you the minor city, but they'll say they'll say Bington. It was actually, it was, it was actually mentioned in the movie of Goodfellas. And yes. they, they screwed up the name, they called uh, the Appalachian Mountains. Or whatever, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they screwed it up. They, yeah, they, got, it wrong, they, and they got it wrong when they said it. Um, yeah. It's it's part of, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Analyze, Analyze This yep. with Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal. Um, I actually think it's the, it's either that movie or it's the sequel, but they talk about the the Appalachian meeting being where uh, they, they start the movie out with Robert De Niro talking to Billy Crystal about the Appalachian meeting and how his dad was there and his uncle Billy or whatever and they drove a tractor all the way back to New Jersey or something. It's, it's crazy, but it's it's mis mentioned a lot in the history. And uh, again, you wouldn't think about looking in this area, but a lot of, lot of stuff. Well, you know, I actually know that location quite well. I've been on the property many times. When I was a kid, I grew up a mile from that location. and. What happened was there was two ways to get to this place. There was the main route, okay, and then there was an old bridge that came off the side of the mountain and went across the creek to Appalachian Creek. That bridge is long gone, by the way. Um, but I used to go swimming when I was a kid right where that bridge was, and the, the pillars were still in the, in the water and in the creek at the time. I mean, the top was gone. Uh, but anyway, you can cross across the creek, you go up the old path, it's not even a road anymore, it's a path and it ends on somebody's property, but you walk through the property a little bit and you're on the main road and right down the road from there is where the, you know, the big shootout happened and then some of the shootout happened on the bridge as well. Um, but uh, the rumor is, and uh, when I even as a kid, you know, that there's bodies buried all over the place up in those mountains uh, where I grew up uh, from the mob. You know, I used to Oh, yeah. People off in New York and New Jersey and bring them up here and they bury them right in Appalachia. This area, yeah. it's again, you don't you don't think of those things when you look at this area. You don't think it'd be the last place you'd look to find Jimmy Hoffman, yeah. as it were. Yep. Not that Jimmy Hoffman's here, but I'm just saying it'd be one of the last places you'd look. <laughs> right. the, the other place you probably wouldn't look would be down in Scranton, PA. Yep. All coal mines. There's stuff down there, oh, all, the, all the abandoned mine shafts I, I and know, things like that. I know for... I, not, not not that we have first-hand knowledge of any of this. Actually, I... I just <laughs> saying, the last place you might think to look should be the first place you might want to look if you could. Well, my, my uncle is a historian, and his primary field of research is coal mines. And it's in, he's in Old Forge, Pennsylvania. He actually uh, had the uh, largest... Mining, you know, uh, website on the planet up for a long, long time. and all the information, everything you want to know about mines. But anyway, he kind of uh, said the same thing that you said, you know, and he, the research he did. Uh, yeah, some of those mines, there are bodies in some of those mines, no doubt about it. You know, there were bodies were dumped. Um, would not surprise me in the least. So where I was going probably five minutes ago with the story about the, <laughs> the, the investigation this uh, past weekend, we had a we had a not a regular team member, but she was with us on this investigation, and uh, we were talking about different things that happened in the area and things like that. And uh, she regaled us with a story of her very own UFO sighting when she was a child. Oh, really? Please tell. And uh, when she was a child, she was confined to a wheelchair, and I didn't get all the particulars, and it doesn't really matter. But she 
got up one night and, you know, got herself into the wheelchair and down downstairs to get a drink of water. She was already downstairs, I guess. And uh, through her window, she could see this giant object that was all lit up out the window of the kitchen. Hmm. And she said it was there and it was all his lights and then it just, boop, took off. Wow. Like a shot, disappeared. And as she's telling the story, I, I heard Jeff telling his story on the other side of my brain about the one he saw. If you go back to our third or fourth show, um, you can hear it there where Jeff talked about this giant object. and I think it was the fourth show. Fourth show. Yeah. Uh, giant object that was there and then it took off and boop, gone, just gone. In a blank. So I thought that was very cool. There's there's a lot of things that happen around here that uh, you don't know about. Well, yeah. You don't hear about. Yeah, you know, we don't hear about, like, Owego actually had a card company at one point in 1914. It was called the Owego. Owego, right. And there's only one left on the planet. It's actually at a local car museum uh, in this area, which in Norwich or somewhere up around there's, there. There's a car museum in Norwich. Yeah, I think that's where it is. is. There's one there. Um, you know, Binghamton, New York, was the second largest uh, producer of cigars for a very long time. Only New York City made more cigars in the entire world at one point. Um, we have a very rich history here. Birthplace so, of IBM. Yes, the birthplace. I used to make typewriters. They started first making typewriters, actually. Well, they didn't, no, actually. What did they make? I'm sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to burst. No, your, that's all right. What I didn't did mean to burst your research bubble on that one. Uh, IBM actually has its roots in a time-keeping company, a clock, like for employees. Oh, really? Um, hmm. Back at the turn of the century, there was a gentleman. There were actually two gentlemen. Their names, last names were Bundy. And Is there any correlation between a Bundy mansion? Yes, there is. Aha. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I want to say Harold is the older brother who wound up kind of taking the company and running with it. Basically, he was about creating these business machines that would track employees, would track employees' time when they clock in, when they clock out, things like this. And this how he he had kind of bought up other timekeeping companies that had similar ideas. He kind of bought those up and kind of conglomerated them all together and created um, the Bundy Timekeeping Company. I don't think that was the exact name, but that's that's the, that's what I just called it. Um, and ran it for years. And then in 1924, he brought on a man named Tom Watson to help run the company and actually kind of take it over. And it was at that point, Tom Watson is the name you probably are more accustomed to hearing with IBM than Bundy. Uh, Tom Watson took it from just being a timekeeping employee tracking company into all kinds of business machines and Typewriters. Typewriters. And <laughs> I know there was typewriters. Typewriters in some place and uh, things like that. So we have, and you think about how global IBM is. Yeah, you know. And it had its roots here. Endicott Johnson, sneakers, yeah. EJ Sneakers. IBM, uh, here's an interesting thing, folks. Uh, my father worked for IBM most of his adult life after he got in the Navy. Uh, so we were IBMers. Uh, and my father was a manager, you know, mid-level manager or whatever. And uh, he was always very proud of his company. I mean, he was very proud of the work for IBM. Uh, always talked great about that company. And, you know, one of the things he, he kept saying over and over again, I remember as a kid, you know, IBM's never had a layoff. IBM's never had a layoff. We take care of our employees. He was all big about that. And, you know, truth be known, IBM was a great company. Because I remember as a kid, every two years, um, IBM would bring their own amusement park in to the IBM Country Club. And you had to be an IBM family member to get in this. And everything was free. All the rides were free. All the food was free. And it was a gigantic amusement park. It wasn't anything small. It was bigger than the, you know, the little fairs that go on around here now. It was really kind of large. And everything was free. The hamburgers, the cheeseburgers, the, everything was free. The sausages. I mean, everything. You know, and this went on for two or three days. And you had this pass to go as many times as you want to spend the whole day there. Um, and IBM did, at that time, really take care of their employees. You know, but then, you know, what happens with most companies, they got heavily involved in the stock market and globalization. And, you know, one day, you know, your, your CEO is a German and then he shuts down the IBM plant that's making the parts because the German plant was making the same stuff. So guess who got the, <laughs> got the, got the work, the German. And I'll challenge that. It's not so much that it's the people that inherit the company aren't family. 
Oh, yeah, you can say it about the Waltons, too. The Waltons. Yeah. That's, that's just, yeah, yeah. You think about Walmart. I know. I know. Well, we're, we're both experts Believe me, I know. Yeah. We both know. Yeah. Um, but when Sam Walton... Oh, he was a great man. ...ran that company... Yeah. Well... Twofold. Two, Twofold. Two, two, two faces on that. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he could have been a Batman character. Yeah. Uh, Bud Walton, too. With that. Um, Sam Walton believed in... The associates, the hourly yes. paid associates. He and was promote all about within. Promote within, yep. get him up. But I'll tell you what, he could be a real bastard towards his salaried members of management. And well, he was long the, gone by the time I became well, salaried. Right, and, and, and myself, <laughs> and myself too. But but there was it was still part of the family. They people that were had come up through the company were still in key positions, and it wasn't really until. They started hiring these college graduates from outside, and 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 CEOs and executives from other retailers, which makes no sense to me. If you're another retailer and they're letting you go, or they let you go, and you're losing, why, why to do Walmart? Why are you pick, why are you picking this guy <laughs> why up? Why are you picking this guy if up? If Target yeah. just fired his ass, <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, so IBM's that way. I think is is it got more more. Not modernized, but more collegiate. College grads come in, and they're coming in. They are they are college trained executives. They're not from the ranks. They're not from. It's not blue collar going to white collar. It's just right. white collar from the beginning. Um, you lose touch of that family based things. Yeah, um, you don't have the experience, and you, you don't know what the everyday operations are at that point. I mean, if people in Bentonville, Arkansas, making a lot of really stupid decisions, you know. Um, you know, look at, you know, when Sam Walton, he was the first one to bring up Saturday morning meetings. You know, men of the management, you had to be a, in your yeah. store on oh, Saturday. Absolutely. Where, you know, before that, you know, that, that never happened. Um, and that's the problem with today. Like you're saying, these college kids, they don't know what to do. Frankly, great. They got a degree. That's good for them. And they're $100,000 in debt. Good for you. Um, I have a house and it's paid for. Uh, but uh, you're going to be paying for the next 30 years just on your college education. Uh and, but they don't know anything. They don't know anything about how the business really operates uh, from the ground up level. And that's where the problem is. And you really see, uh, you know, for Kmart, I was a manager for Kmart as well. And, you know, what made me leave Kmart after only six months, it wasn't that I was offered up more money from another company, which I was, but that was not the primary reason. The primary reason was I went to a huge Northeast meeting and the vice president of the company at Kmart's there and Every big wig you could possibly imagine, and every store manager on the East Coast is there. We had to rotate it between new days, so there'd be store coverage, but regardless. Um, in this meeting, you know, the vice president of the company says, look it, we've been in business since 19, whatever, 62, or whatever the heck it was, and we've tried everything there is to try. The system we have now, I remember he pounded his hand down on the table, and he said, it's the best system out there. We've tested everything. There's nothing that you can tell us that's going to do anything better. So just follow the direction we're giving you. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm just looking at this guy like, I'm like, this guy can't just have said that. Because I had come from the Christmas tree shop. And let me tell you folks, when it came to breaking freight down and getting freight out to the sales floor, that was a locomotive engine. Those people have it down. You know, they had it down to a science. They, they, they blew Walmart away in how their efficiency rating was. It was unbelievable. So for here, Kmart telling me that we, we had the you know most advanced system, I almost fell out of my chair because I was in a store where it took three days to unload one truck, to unload it, not put the stuff away, to unload it because it's a long story. I shouldn't go into it. But regardless, and this is what happens when you have college-educated people who don't work their way up through the ranks, who don't understand how things are done at store level making very bad decisions, like case in point. You walk into a Sam's Club. Every Sam's Club is set up now exactly the same way throughout the company. It wasn't always like that. Every Sam's Club sells trackers and lawnmowers at the same time. Every Sam's Club sells snowblowers at the same time across the country. If anyone can tell me what you could possibly see as the problem with that, ring a bell, because duh, you know, there's different seasons for different parts of the country. This is the stupidity of Bentonville, Arkansas. Well, in, in retailers in general. And uh, before we get into this, go much further, because it's that time. Oh, and it if, is. And if we're going to keep chatting about this. <laughs> we're going to need a drink. We're going to need a drink or two. It is shut time. So, uh, we're going to revisit an old friend, Mr. Midori, and the green elixir of 
Japanese bellets. Okay, that's oh, it. Oh, very good. Double marigato. That means uh, thank you very much, by the way. Does it? You know how I know that? Uh, Mr. Rabatofi? That is? Yes. yes. Sticks, folks, sticks. The group sticks. You were around back then, which I'm sure you were. What year was that? 1980, 79, somewhere yeah, there? Yeah. And they even had IBM in that song. Do you remember? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Parks Made in Japan and IBM in the song somewhere there. Yeah. All right, All so right. here's the swimming with. Mulligan Woman. Small glasses, but they definitely hold more than a shot. Yeah, you know what I like about that stuff, that green stuff? That's actually pretty good. It's pretty it does not give you that nasty, nasty or uh, bad taste. And uh, again, I highly recommend it. <clears throat> so, back to retail. Back to retail. Um, yeah, so, and I'm not knocking college, I, but just to, it's when they start bringing people in from the outside that haven't come up through the ranks that people start to lose touch with their roots. Um, when we started at Walmart, I I was a, a manager, I had my own store in, uh, in another state, and for the first two years I was there, it was great. The next two years, Walmart went to this new policy of, we're going to tell you how to run your store. And that has never been the case. It's always been the stores making decisions how to run their own stores. And, um, you know, it's, it's you do it our way or it's the highway. And it's very tough for someone that's been spent ten years training as a as a merchandiser, as a seller of merchandise to his clients, to his customers, say, Well, you know what, we're gonna put this up instead. Well my customers don't want that. And and I knew the writing was on the wall. We we were at a year end meeting and they had hired an outside firm to conduct a survey oh, and blah blah blah. And the conclusion of the survey was that our customers, the Walmart customer, biggest complaint was that there's too much clutter and confusion. And their goal was to eliminate the clutter, not only the merchandise clutter, but the noise clutter and this and that. So they got away with, they got rid of Walmart radio and we couldn't make PA announcements. Palace went away for a while too then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the merchandising had to be, uh, at a bare minimum, there had to be a set number of feet between displays in the aisle. But I got news for you, people. The Walmart customer may tell someone that that's what they hate about Walmart, but it's also what they love about Walmart. And they took a big hit in their sales when oh they lost God. their pallet positions. And, and it took them almost two years to figure it out. Yeah. It took them almost two years to figure it out. I, I laugh now when I when I walk through a Walmart and and look at everything they're doing today in Walmart as far as merchandising, and I see at least a dozen examples of things I got written up for as a store manager <laughs> because customers didn't like it, or it wasn't policy, or it wasn't the correct rate of merchandise. Yep. Killing me. Tell me. One of the best Christmas seasons I ever had, I ran merchandise 30, 40 foot long runs down my aisles, and I sold every day, double digit increases. And it was a violation of home office directive. <laughs> and I'll tell you, my market manager knew what I was doing. And he didn't visit my store but once. And he gave me Tuesday notice before he showed up. Because <laughs> he knew what I was doing. He knew he knew what I was getting as far as results. And couldn't, couldn't bring himself to walking in and having to write me up. Because I was making sales. So, it is. It's crazy. And I was at another retail for a while. And when I hired on with them, they they talked like Walmart was 20 years ago, that it was a merchandising company and tight-knit group and this, that. And when I left, they were definitely going down the, this is how Home Office wants us to do it. And that's why I got out when I did and got into casino gambling. <laughs> Not as a card player, but as a dealer. And uh, I got to say, I, I can't say... I regret that decision. I'm enjoying myself immensely, but like any industry, it's got its up and down and uh, getting bad points. But uh, as a dealer that, that deals dice and deals cards, I could be happy working the rest of my life at this and bringing home a paycheck that's really decent. 
Yeah, and uh, that's that's a good thing, you know. Um, a lot of these companies, they uh, they do exactly that. I mean, I knew I knew Kmart was in rough shape, but comparison to Sears is even worse. Since I had a background with the Christmas tree shops, uh, when I got hired for Kmart as store manager, they uh, sent me the, the regional manager. I, I can't make this, you can't make this stuff up, folks. Sent me to uh, about eleven stores for Sears in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania. And my job was to organize their staff and have them set up their Christmas displays. So here they are, they're taking a Kmart manager, put him in his Sears stores, to set up the get, Christmas. This you guys combined, right? Yeah, this is when we combined, yeah. Uh, when Kmart bought Sears, everyone thinks Sears bought Kmart, but they only used the Sears name, Sears Holding, because it was a larger name, more right. recognition, that's why, but actually Kmart bought Sears. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so I was running around setting up the Christmas displays for Sears stores so I really knew that the writing was on the wall for me with that you know retailer as well and you can see it now Sears is in really very rough shape very rough it came out as well but Sears is even worse well I think we're going to lose the Sears and I yeah we I, I think yeah. there was they're going to close a bunch of them are closing down and stuff and, yep. uh, we got an excerpt from the last meeting at the Sears store And uh, they're getting out of town. That's definitely for yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, so, uh, they're going the way of Montgomery Wards. And, it, yeah, and it's uh, crazy because I tell you, in our area, it, we got well. I guess we got three big things now. We it used to be retail. Retail used to be big in the area. Yeah. We got a lot of strip malls. We got we got a whole section of town of Bestel that is a parkway full of shops and it's just booming on stuff like that. While other other areas are. Closing down and there's empty buildings. Bustle is maintained. Good. Uh, manufacturing used to be a big thing, but that's that's kind of fading away from yeah. us. And medical. Medical's big. Medical's big, and it's getting bigger. We got a university. And college. Well, college got to college, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's where the medical's yeah, coming medical, in. Yeah. So you know that we got they're building the pharmacy, pharmaceutical school and a nursing school. In a nursing school. Um, right at the end of my street. But, literally. But again. Um, it's crazy. You just think, and again, I I haven't had my contacts inside the, the the one Walmart in a while, but I know the last time I heard they they bring down a pretty penny at that one in Bustle. Well, it was for and a long time. To, it to was think, in the top ten for Walmart. To, to think the of the money nation. they bring in from this area that is on the whole economically depressed area yep. is crazy, but neither here nor there. Um, what else has been going on? Uh, locally, not much. We're in the we're in the heart of summer. We got a lot of things coming up. Um, we have in September actually, as we come out of summer going into fall, we have the Paranormal Expo going on in Oweibo. Oh, and we yes, talked about Oweibo. Yes. Um, and I was again doing some doing some uh, video work for that and some advertising and uh, got thinking, looking at things, and again we talked about a lot of activity in the area. We've had Bigfoot sightings. We've had UFOs. It's haunted. This whole area is paranormal activity craziness. And you don't hear a lot about it openly. But if you talk to people, if you get the conversation rolling privately, a lot of people have a lot of stories about things they've seen and heard and friends have heard and things like that. Um, and we, we also have something else in the area that a lot of people really are unaware of. I think people have been aware that, you know, we've had the Bigfoot thing is kind of small. Not people know yeah. a lot about that. Else. But the UFO thing, and okay, it's kind of up there. And the ghost thing is actually kind of well known in this area. People know where there's different, you know, locations. Right. But there's something else we have in this area that people don't realize. We have Lockheed Martin. And <laughs> this particular Lockheed Martin has a lot of defense contracts. And I... I'm not going to say any much more on this, other than I can tell you that there are people in this area who get to work on some pretty amazing stuff that they can't talk about. Even before it was Lockheed Martin, it was IBM. Yeah. And, and it was the defense side of IBM. It was, but it, they also had a lot of uh, activity. If I remember correctly, I think they were, they were knee-deep in the space program, weren't they? Yes, they were. You know, uh, General Electric, GE, which you don't hear, you hear washing machines and things like that from yeah. General Electric, but there was a GE facility in Johnson City 
that um, they were Lockheed Martin for a while after they were GE, but they had their they had their fingers in some military pies as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. Of this actually in the in the fifties, uh, we were Binghamton Endicott actually was a I want to say Class A or Class B target. Yes. For nuclear nuclear attack. Yeah, nuclear because of the Soviet Union. Because of the electronics and military um, connections. I tell people that today and they don't believe me, but that is yeah. a fact. We really were. Yeah. yeah. So the area is rich in history. Um, sometimes we just forget about it or just find it hard to believe. Again, to look at the area, you would not think all that goes on, was going on, still is going on to a certain extent. But isn't that the art of deception? Camouflage. Yep. Camouflage. And we uh, look at all the stuff that's going on today. You know, out in the world, they, Trump met with Putin. You know, they actually pretty went pretty well. Two of my favorite people, Putin and you know Trump. You know, I have a lot of respect for both those gentlemen. Um, Putin because he's Russian and I'm you know part Russian. Um, he doesn't pussyfoot around. And you know what? Trump doesn't pussyfoot around either, and I think people are learning that. No, he pussy grabs around. Yeah. Oh, the ding! Oh, we shot the lock. Okay. Yeah. What get that out? Post editing. Which, if you listen to the program, realize that post editing never happened. But we're gonna get that post editing. Um, yeah, uh, that and again, our news. I saw uh, around the time that he did his whole Russian trip. Uh, one of the big things was uh, the dress his wife was wearing at one of the meetings. Yeah, the stupid stuff they sold, focus on. Blew out. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't buy this dress. It yeah. Blew out. People, they went on a shopping spree and but really, really, <laughs> because I'm sure they're going to bring this back to some kind of racketeering or paid endorsements or something. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I guess the option is that she doesn't wear anything when she's out. Yeah, she'll make it. Um, I'll be okay with we're that. We're good with that. We're good with that. Uh, you know, here's an interesting story. I don't think I told you this last week or the last show we did. Um, did I tell you about my my fake news episode the other morning? No. Oh, you this is, folks, you're gonna love this because Heather is not letting me forget this, and I only told one person at work. I was so embarrassed. Uh, this happened last week. It was either Thursday or Friday morning. <laughs> and I, what I normally do, I don't have cable. I have high speed internet. And I run everything through Netflix and YouTube and Hulu Plus and Amazon and um, Showtime, Deluxe, and all this other stuff through the internet. I don't, I don't pay for cable. So anyway, I wake up and normally what I do is I go downstairs, let the dogs out, make some coffee, bring up coffee for me and Heather. We sit in bed and I turn on Netflix, or not Netflix, YouTube, and I find the live channel. Because there's always a channel where you can right. watch news. So I, right. I turn it on I found the BBC, which I thought was BBC. And the news is breaking, uh, 200,000 soldiers mobilized in Britain, 50,000 reserves put on notice, uh, Russian jet shot down over Latvia, you know, by British Air Force, Russians responded in Black Sea by sunking, sinking uh, British destroyer, uh, American f- <laughs> destroyer opened up fire on Russian ship. And I, like this is spilled out of control. Literally, like I'm watching this, thinking World War Three is breaking out. And I and it like was so well done. I mean, it was really news looking people, the whole desk, the whole nine yards with the stuff going on and different, you know, emergency meeting of the cabinet. And you see the different members of cabinet showing up. And I'm drinking my first sips of coffee and I'm shaking Heather awake. I'm like, you gotta see this. And I put the, the closed captioning on. And she's like, what the hell is going on? I'm like, the World War Three freaking out. Kill get the kids for packing the bags. I'm like, seriously, we're going to get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what it was, folks. So there I was, ready to pack bags and head for the Adirondack Mountains. You know, like, you know, <laughs> Mountain Jeffy. And uh, so when I'm like, give me my phone. I grab my phone and, I'm, you know, I go right on the Fox News. There's nothing. Then I go on the CNN, which is a fake news network anyway. Nothing. Still nothing. Then I go to CBS. Nothing. I'm like, wait a minute here. So I hit the pause button, uploaded March 2016. I'm like, SOBs. They got me. They got me good. There I was. I was totally convinced World War III was breaking out. Completely convinced. It was a really, it was a freaky, let me tell you folks, if you ever get fooled like that, it's one of the worst feelings in the world because... Everything that you 
all the dreams and hopes and things we're thinking about the future, all of a sudden it's got sh flushed down the toilet as you're on your second or third sip of cup of coffee in the morning. It's not the best time. Let me tell you, it's so, not the best time at all. So while the rest is wearing tin hats, <laughs> Jeff has tinfoil underwear on pajamas. Uh, yeah, Jeff, back in 1929, there was a barge landing in New Jersey. I might want to warn you about. That's funny. That's what I've seen it too. I've seen stuff on you. You may try to verify and see that. Ah, can't be in. True story. Or someone posts. World War Three started. It's, no, but it wasn't that. It was BBC News. I'm like, all right, we'll watch that this morning. Oh, <laughs> uh, those Brits. Uh, yeah, so um, they got me good. They got me good. God is, bless them. I wasn't going to tell that story. I'm mean, like, you know, I have to. It's too funny, funny not to. That is funny. That is funny. So, um... Anyways, we're talking about the Snipe Fest. The Paranormal Expo coming up in uh, September. And we've got some folks lined up that we uh, will be new to the Snipe Fest this year. And uh, along with the films, we've also uh, made contact with Father Billy Clark, who will be there to talk to us. He is a uh, regional demonologist. He is a priest. He a demonologist, though. He takes demons out of people. Um... Most, most times, but your ex-wife will not be... Damn it! You knew right where I was I going, knew going with this. Oh. I knew where you were going with this. Uh, <laughs> he's already said that your ex-wife is a hopeless case. Um, he believes that there are things that need to be excised from homes and people and things like that. And uh, he tries to clear areas. Not so much people, per se, but he needs to cleanse areas and things like that. So he'll be there. Uh, we've got a few other people lined up. Uh, we're trying to get a hold of a gentleman from MUFON. Yes. And he will bring in the UFO end of things. We are trying to get a little couple of people who are Sasquatch researchers. And uh, we had them there last year. We hope to get them back. They're very interesting. One was a 13 year old boy ish. 13? Yeah, 12 or Young 13, boy. Yeah. Young boy who probably had as much knowledge as Sasquatch as Jeff. I, know, I actually and think that kid had more. more. And, I was uh, kind of he was very impressed. Yeah. Very, very mature for his age and very well-spoken and very um, enthusiastic about what he's chosen to do. Uh, we'll have the vendors back again. Um, we have a company, not a company, but a, a, a store out of, uh, well, I said they're up in the Utica area, and they're going to come down with metaphysical stuff and books and tapestries and cards and candles and things like that. Uh, Spider, local gentleman, will be doing tattoos. So if you're looking for a tattoo, Spider will tattoo you up at the festival. Um, and then again, we got the movies, and they're shaping up. We've got a bunch of things lined up as far as which ones we're going to do. We've had some great entries, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We can be found at www.snipefilmfest. That's S N Y P E filmfest.com. And you can find out more information there. We're also on Facebook, and it has not only its own event page. But it has its own page itself, and that'll be under Snipe Hunt. Again, Southern New York Paranormal Expo, S-N-Y-P-E, uh, Hunt. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, Let's Talk It All is one of our bronze sponsors, and they'll be there. Jeff will be there. You can meet him in person. You can meet me in person. I'll be running around helping with the festival, but I'll be there. And uh, I'm sure I'll be helping in some form Helping. Fashion. We'll be talking. We'll be talking about that. We'll be doing some live interviews with some of the people that are there. Uh, a lot of interesting guests. It's only 10 bucks to get in, and if you want to see the films, uh, you can get tickets. They're in blocks of either, um, usually the block's about two hours long, and we cram as many films in as we can in that time span, and you can buy one block or two blocks or multiple blocks, and the prices range, I believe, anywhere from 10 to 35 for all the movies. Uh, 35 bucks for see all these movies is a good deal. Yeah. And we're actually in a movie theater. Yeah, it's so on the big screen. So it's not like you're sitting in the room next door to the festival. And you're just watching it projected on some wall. Yeah. So this would be a good time. Yeah, it would be a great time. Uh, on that, I know I had a question, you know, when you get those questions and it goes, do you have it? And then it's gone. And I hate when that happens. Man, that makes me so mad. So I, do, I need a piece, piece of paper and a pen when I'm doing this show. So I write this stuff down as we're talking. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody should. Son of a... Anyway. No. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so uh, we talked about a lot of stuff tonight, which is kind of cool. Uh, what do you think, Anvil, of um, 
Cheese Whiz. What's a good subject we end this show on tonight? Cheese Whiz? Cheese Whiz. Hey, you know, cheese I whiz. like Cheese Whiz. Uh, <laughs> you said Cheese Whiz. Did I say Cheese Whiz? That sounded like Cheese Whiz. I, 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 I may have heard G-Wiz, it wrong. Cheese Whiz, but I, oh, I maybe Cheese Whiz. Okay, Cheese Whiz. You know, um, did you know that, uh, and this is a long time ago, you know, I'll tell the story another time because I want to get the details wrong. I'll have to research it again. You know, I'll tell a little bit of it because I brought it up. Anyway, so... Um, the red, you know the lanterns they use in the railroad? Yeah. Okay, and he's got one red. Red means stop, obviously. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know how the color red got associated with stopping a train for the railroad? Uh, it's actually here in Tiger County. Uh, and I'm making this up. I, I can't remember what year it was. It was in 1800 somewhere, obviously. Um, but there was a woman. Uh, she was a farmer's wife. And there was something wrong with the track. I don't remember exactly what. And she ran. She knew what kind of trains came through. Everyone did at that time. You had nothing else to do other than farm and you know when the trains were going through. Um, she actually ran like two miles or something and uh, before the train got to its destination. Um, and she held up a red scarf or a red piece of material. And I, she put a lantern behind it or something like that right. at night so the, the engineer could see her. And uh, he obviously took the hint and stopped the train. Um, saving, you know, at least, you know, 20 or 30 lives at the time. There was a lot of passage on those trains, but, uh, um, that's, that's how, that's how it happened. That's interesting um, because in Amsterdam. Is that in Germany or something? Amsterdam? Yeah. Where is that? Amsterdam is in Netherlands, I believe. Oh, okay. So it's north of, or northwest. If you say so. So in Amsterdam. I don't know, folks. Amsterdam. It's over in Europe. Women use the same thing. Right. To stop men for <laughs> to, to come into their place of establishment <laughs> and partake. So, hence the red light district. Yes, that is why it calls red light um, district. So, I wonder if that's where it all came from. Is you know, I'm this going woman to use the red lantern to stop the men on the train. I'm going to Europe next year. Or, yeah, soon. Less than a year away, I'm going to Europe. And my dream when I was a kid was to go um, to the rest. <laughs> yeah, red. Unfortunately, I'm in a situation where I'm not going to be able to partake in that particular activity. <laughs> yeah. The idea of window and, shopping and, and talk for fun. And window shopping. They, <laughs> you yeah, can they they actually window shop window on the shopping. sidewalk, folks, as you're walking. Oh, I like that model. That's yeah, see, I'm pretty sure it's locally driven, that corporate driven. But uh, and it's crazy because, you know, they don't have a quarter pounder with cheese over in Amsterdam. No they kidding. Have, they have McDonald's. But no quarter pounder with cheese. Hmm. That's weird. They call it the quarter pounder royale. The Kitla. Quarter pounder oh, royale. Said that. Now, do you know why they don't have the quarter pounder and cheese? Why not? Take, take guess. Oh, wait, why would you not have the quarter pounder cheese in Amsterdam over in Europe? Why would I? Uh, is it because they use the metric system? The metric system. Very oh, my good. gosh. Very I should guess that right. Very good. The only reason I know this is because I was doing math all day today at work. Measuring valve to piston distance, but that's a whole different story. It's an inch, so it really screws me up. So, so to <laughs> test our listening clients, customers, our listening audience, if you can tell me reference that story I just relayed to Jeff in an email to me, I will send you a T-shirt and a coffee mug. All right. See if anyone can figure that out. That'll be kind of the riddle riddle quiz for that. I'm gonna send him an email. I want the damn stuff. <laughs> I don't think Jeff knows it. Hey, you know, did do you know why I have a bunch of beer steins, you know, German beer steins. You know why they have the top on them? You know why how that happened? And it started in Germany, by the way. I would think probably because of the war and keep the dust out. No. Nope. Oh. No, no, before uh, that. To the Black Plague. Uh oh. Uh, what was happening was uh, it was a lot of it was spread uh, through the you know, the beer establishments, the taverns, and they found that the flies. Right, I think it was a fly. I'll have to look it up again. Were dropping, were moving from if somebody was infected, they'd be in that beer, and then they moved to the next beer and do their droppings in that beer, and then the next person would be infected. So the beer stein was developed to have huh. a top over it to keep from disease spreading, um, and that is how you have the beer stein. Which is great because, because the rest of Europe was getting rid of the rats, which is causing the problem. <laughs> right, no. But, but the Germans were getting yeah. rid of the flies in the beer. No, no so, that, that was part I, of it. I love the Germans. No, I'm not. You can look yourself. I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm not dying. That's an interesting that they would take that approach. But that's well, how the German beer stein came about. It started in Germany. That is interesting. Body and Yeah, very interesting. I want my beer stein! No flies. 
Cincinnati reference, but yeah, Seinfeld. Cincinnati Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah, Google great it. show by the way. One Seinfeld. of the shows Google that are Google it if you don't know it. We should do a show about Hitler sometime in, a, in the Third Reich. I think um, it'd be an interesting show to do. Yeah, maybe we do it after we do the Second Amendment show. We're gonna do. Oh, that you know that's actually really good. That idea. would probably let's, be really let's pencil good. that in. We're gonna pencil that in. Um, yeah, I think a Third Reich show was definitely in. And I guarantee at some point we're going to talk about the Hitler clones. So yeah, that'll I be actually, a good show to listen to. I actually have three biographies on Hitler. Um, and two of them are in sync, and one of them is totally out of sync. And we'll go on to that. On yeah, that yeah, yeah that, we'll we'll stay there for the show. Yeah, we'll stay there for the stay show. Stay there for the show. Um, so we've been thinking about different folks, uh, different topics, folks, for the, uh, the coming shows. And, uh, you know, I had brought up uh, one of the shows we should do in the future is abortion. You know, um, I, Anvil over here is not crazy about the idea, but, you know, I am I am definitely on the, the side of your murder, um, but uh, <laughs> Anvil's not. Uh, but that's a, that's a show we're going to do in the future, and I think another show we're going to do is uh, Christ. Uh, you know, the ultimate paranormal event is Jesus Christ. I can't think of anything more paranormal than a guy that comes to town and is the son of God. I, there's any, you know, more paranormal than that, so we definitely have to do a show on that, and I don't know any... Everyone's afraid to do that subject, so I think that'd be great. Well, we're not. We're not afraid to do something. We're not something. afraid to do we're nothing. We're not afraid to do because we don't have any sponsors. Yeah. We don't have, well, we have sponsors, but not sponsors that, right. we, that, that we rely on. Right. And if I suddenly disappear in the future, uh, Anvil knows why, uh, I have been partaking in certain activities, uh, contacting certain individuals within our intelligence community um, that... Uh, in a very nice way, uh, you read the. I read the letters. The letters I have been sending. Uh, they're not emails; they're actual letters. Uh, but uh, let's just say I'm falling up on a lot of leaks. Uh, they may be in, in some hot water, but we shall see. Because I'm already on the watch list. Maybe I'm not anymore. But I did call the president of the United States when I was like 11 years old, and my father was visited um, by the Secret Service. True really? story. Oh yeah, you, I never told this story. Yeah. It's got to be for another show. Oh yeah, right, we don't have but, enough time. But yeah, okay. I really did that, folks. I called the Secret. I called the president. Believe it or not, the, this is how I got the number for the White House. It used to be, I'm not kidding, when I was 11 years old, it was in the phone book. You could get the White House number and their government listings in the phone book. Okay. For, the, for our listeners who don't know what a phone book is, Google, Google it. <laughs> Google it, and uh, it'll, it'll explain you what a phone book is, because I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners may not know what a phone book is. Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, well, we'll save that. Although, based on our demographics, yeah. our, our bulk of our listeners are the 35 to 55 category, so they should. But for those that aren't our new listener, Google phone book and see what you got. Uh, what else? We, uh, we're getting near the end. We should probably wrap things up here. It's not getting to I'm going to leave that to you today, stories. sir. So, we've covered a lot of stuff about local history. Uh, we actually walked into the show, not really having a specific direction. I'm kind of glad it went this way. There was a lot of things. We got off our chest. Yeah, well, just, but I think recognize about this area. This is, you know, people say, oh, being to New York, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things that have happened here. It's, yeah, it's there's rich, a lot of history. It's here. rich in history. Yeah. And um, I think if you take time, and, and Bington and you know, the area is proud of their history. Yeah, if you yeah. look, people are talking about this history all the time. Ron Reagan came to Binghamton. Ron Reagan uh, came and, to Indicott and, and uh, uh, IBM. And my father actually brought home the sandwiches he was supposed to eat at this uh, particular event. Uh, Ronald Reagan could not eat the sandwiches. And I actually ate one of these sandwiches that was meant for Ronald Reagan. It was actually on his plate in front of me. He never touched it. I had Ronald Reagan's sandwich. True story. And, and oddly enough, I was on the second... Ambulance crew on standby in case anything happened. Wow. I was a paramedic at the time, and although the officers in our ambulance organization took the first crew, I was on the second crew in case they needed a second ambulance. I was there. Hmm. Fascinating. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of things in, in the area that talks about its history. If you, if you take time to look and listen, um, we're all good with that. Yeah, we're getting close. So, on this note, Thank you for listening, and leave you tonight with the thought of always be mindful of where you are and what you are doing, and always do or do not, because there is no try. Have a good night.